This is Lena from Infected Rain. Brian Fair from Shadows Fall. Gary Hall from Exodus and recently retired from Slayer. Phil from Violence here. This is Trevor Sternad from the Black Dahlia Murder. This is Christian from Lions at the Gate. Yo, 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 Igor Cavalera here. Hey, this is Charlie with Anthrax. I just want to give a shout out to Pedalton and Metal Radio, the podcast. The podcast to get all your rock and metal news plus reviews. With new episodes dropping every Sunday, make sure you tune in. Keep rocking with Pedal to the Metal. Check it out now. Keep it metal. All right, welcome everybody to another exciting edition of Pedal to the Metal Radio, the podcast. I'm your main man here, Eddie Monster. And we're slowly approaching 100 episodes, which is uh, quite a great accomplishment. So I want to thank everybody. That's how I'm going to start the show. I'm going to thank everybody that has either been involved in the podcast, has been a guest on the podcast, to everybody that has listened to the podcast, to all the unsigned bands that helped shape this podcast, to all the bands that I play on the show that helped shape the podcast. I want to thank everybody. Whether you li- whether you're a listener or a contributor, thank you very, very much. It's been a lot of hard work. Three years, it has been a lot of hard work to uh, keep this going as long as we have. So... With that being said, we have a great show for you guys today. We've got two bands you should know artists. We have an unsigned band of the week. And right now we're going to start off with the top 10 of 1997. But before we do that, just a friendly reminder. Again, if you want to follow the show, just click on any of the links that are provided in the description of the episode. We have all the links there for Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We also have the link to the blog page, which is the page you can go to if you want to listen to new and archived episodes of the podcast. So with that being said, we've been doing uh, a top 10 countdown. I turned the big 4-0 this year. So I said I would count down the top albums of every year that I've been alive, so ever since 1982. And right now we are on 1997. I was 15 years old. And really at this point, at 15, I was just really getting back into metal. Like I was really diving into it um, at this point again. Uh, So, of course, we have honorable mentions. So let's go through some of those honorable mentions. Uh, One of them is Official Live 101 Proof by Bayantara. If you know, that's their live album. And you know me, I don't include live albums in top 10 lists. Unfortunately, some of them deserve to be, but I try to keep it simple to just studio recordings. And uh, But nonetheless, this deserves to be on any list. This is a great fucking live album, and it's the album that really got me like really into Pantera at the time. Uh, and we also have Greatest Love Songs, Volume 666 by him, the inventors of love metal. Great, great album right there. But nonetheless, let's go through the list, the top 10 of 1997. And number 10, we have Something Wild by Children of Bodom. And you got to remember something. Back in that time, even Alexi Leho, RIP, had said that at the time, to be a metal band, or at least to be an extreme metal band that included 
keyboards, a lot of bands were just sounding like Dimmaborg gear. And that's what a lot of bands were, were aiming towards. But they wanted to do something very, very different, you know, including elements of power metal and even metal that sounded like the, like the Scorpions and incorporate that into their brand of death metal. And they definitely did that with this record. Now, a lot of people thought, you know, the, the end result would be a disaster. How would that work? How would you include death metal and keyboards and, uh, you know, all that other stuff? But if any band pulled it off, it was definitely Children of Bodom. And the albums just keep getting better and better from this point on. Uh, number nine, we've got Horacle by In Flames. This was another dynamite record by In Flames. This one is a little bit more on the brutal side of death metal uh, compared to the previous record. And nonetheless, it's a good one. This is before, you know, In Flames would go all commercial. Uh, at number eight, we have Glory to the Brave by Hammerfall. Hammerfall in this record, this is their debut album. This could be the album that could be considered the blueprint for all those power metal bands that came out in the 90s, right? This was the peak of it. This was the explosion of power metal coming back. You know, bands like, you know the bands. But nonetheless, like Ed Guy, so on and so forth, uh, Primal Fear. Uh, but nonetheless, Hammerfall really kicked it off with this record. Uh, number seven, we have Accident of Birth by Bruce Dickinson. Now, Bruce had a more rock feel to his first you know, three solo records, so he decided to go back to his metal roots. He has Adrian Smith on the record, and it fucking kicks ass. This might be the greatest Dickinson record that's out there, so check it out, Accident of Birth. Uh, number six, we've got City by Strapping Young Lad. Now, I didn't understand Strapping Young Lad for the longest time. A friend of mine was huge on Strapping Young Lad, um, and he always tried, I think the record, the Alien record, I think it was the one he was always trying to push on me. But Strapping Young Lad really just took what Fear Factory was doing, and they intensified it. You know what I'm saying? The, the whole industrial with the metal thing, uh, you know, brilliant. Just brilliant. So check out City by Strapping on Lad. Uh, number five, I've got The More Things Change by Machine Head. Now, this is a record I don't think a lot of people pay attention uh, to this album, to be perfectly honest. But this is an album I dig. This is the first record I heard from Machine Head before I went back and checked out their first album. But this was the first record that introduced me to Machine Head. And it was thanks to uh, an OzFest sampler. Having 10 Ton Hammer on it, which is a song I still fucking love to this day. Uh, but nonetheless, great shit. Uh, number four, we have Cryptic Writings. I don't know where you land on this record. Obviously, it's to me, it's not the lesser of the Friedman, you know, Mustaine era. It's got some great shit on it, like Trust, She Wolf. So on and so forth. I really dig this album. I think Cryptic Writings is a very underrated record uh, in the in the Megadeth catalog because the album that followed this was the shit record. You know what I mean? It was Risk, and Risk could be considered Megadeth Megadeth's Saint Anger, uh, if you ask me. But nonetheless, everybody's got their opinion. Uh, number three, we've got Enthrone, Darkness, Triumphant. 
That's right, by Demi Borgir. This was Demu's big jump right here to a major label. And it paid off. They went to Nuclear Blast. And the record is just brilliant. It's their brand, and you can see it being born. You know, the very symphonic black metal. This brought them to the forefront. Uh, and Death's Embrace is such a great, great track. I would not discover this album, actually, till later on in life. Because, obviously, you know, I, the first time I heard Demi Borgir was at Ozfest. And I was blown away by what I had seen. So obviously being blown away, you go and you research. At least that's what I do. And anytime I love a band, I got to figure out who they were before I liked them. And uh, yeah, this is just, you know, this is them at their this is them at their finest right here. So definitely give this one a, a, a check. Uh, number two, I got Sent by Ramstein. I fucking love Ramstein. And this is the album that I think everybody in the world really, like, if, if you're looking at it from a mainstream perspective, right, I think this is the album that everybody got introduced because Duhast will forever live in infamy. Um, in infamy, excuse me. And uh, so, you know, this this was definitely an amazing record, really mixing the industrial side with the very with the metal aspect. And uh, it's got some real catchy ass shit on this record. It is a lot of great stuff and it don't matter. They proved that you could sing a record in German with not one lick of English and it would do fucking well. Congratulations to Ramstein on that. Uh, and at number one, to finish it all off, we got Anthems to the Welkin at Dusk by Emperor. Emperor was on a roll at this point. They were on a fucking roll. In the Nightside Eclipse was amazing. This was just as amazing. It was them really pushing the boundaries of black metal, really pushing it. But it's got some great shit on it. You know what I mean? There are some great tracks. Thus Speak the Night Spirit with Strength I Burn. You know, Anthems to the Welkin at Dusk could be considered the greatest black metal record um, of all time and really has established Isan is really a, a force to be reckoned with in this industry. And, you know, that's why he's so sought after. So, yeah, I mean, definitely check this out. Number one, Anthems to the, to the Welkin at Dusk, Emperor. Give it a fucking listen. It's the best record. That's my list for 1997. All other lists will be discarded, ignored, and burned by yours truly. So let's get into our first Bands You Should Know artist. And the band that we got from you for you guys for the, for right now is coming from the same place that gave birth to bands such as Sepultura, Mutilator, and so much more. That's right. I'm talking Belo Horizonte, which is the, a city in Brazil. And I am talking about the melodic death metal band Drowned. They've got an album called Recipe of Hate, which was released back in March. And we're giving these guys a listen. So if you are a fan of bands like At The Gates, Death, and Sepultura, you are definitely going to fucking love this. So without further ado, here they are on Pedal To The Metal Radio, the podcast. Here is Drowned.
is time for Rock and Metal News, presented by Eddie Monster. Alright, Rock and Metal News time. Everybody, your favorite time, your Dr. Feelgood is here. Although, this is depressing news. So, we all know, we talked about on the last Fun Size episode of Pedal to the Metal, we talked about the death of... Trevor Sturdan of Black Dahlia murder, and it's been very, very tough. Um, but tributes have been pouring in everywhere for Trevor, and rightfully so. He was he was an amazing, amazing person who seemingly had an effect on everybody. I mean, he honestly had an effect on pretty much everybody. You know what I mean, and and. His influence is going to remain. I know Metal Blade posted this. It is with deep sadness that we announced the passing of Trevor Scott Sternad. Oh, they just reposted that. That was the... Yeah, that was the statement from Black Dahlia Murder. Um, but there's been tributes everywhere. You know what I mean? And... Um, it's been great to see, you know. Uh, one that I want to talk about is from the band Undeath. And Trevor was a huge supporter of music. And these guys, you know, are like coming out saying this. We love you so much, Sternad. Thank you for your passion, your generosity, your humor, your immense talent, and your indomitable spirit. When this band was nothing, just Kyle, Matt, and I rolling around in Kyle's Astro Van, too broke to even buy a tuner pedal, you were the first person to ever ride for us. When we needed someone with a killer voice to bring lesions home, you were the first and only name on our list. I know I've thanked you a billion times for all this, but I wish I got to tell you at least one more time how much you changed our lives. You took us out on the first big tour we ever did and gave us experiences that we will all cherish and remember for the rest of our lives. That meant everything to us. It still does. It always will. To everyone else, hold your people close. Never let them forget how much you love them, how important their life is to yours. We're all that we have. Rest easy, Trevor. As long as there's a young metalhead out there getting introduced to the good stuff by someone, even the tiniest fraction is cool and inspiring as you, you'll never... You'll never really be gone. And you can check out that track, Lesions of a Different Kind by Undeath, which features Trevor on the track. So you see, it's stuff like that. You know, he was such a an influential guy, and he cared so much about, about music, you know, that he was always giving props, and, and, and if you deserve to be out there, he was all about it. You know what I mean? And, um... Yeah, man, it's 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 crazy. Um, Brandon Ellis posted this. I cannot even begin to process this. In total shock and disbelief, it has been my greatest honor to spend the last six and a half years in a band with this absolute icon and legend, a brother, a best friend, one of the funniest, the most entertaining people to walk the earth. The life of the party that is the Black Dahlia murder, as well as any given room he happens to occupy, a lyrical mastermind, a champion of the entire culture of heavy music, also my biggest supporter. This man changed my life, and I believed 
and believed in me more than I do myself. I cannot believe there will be no more laughs had, songs written together, or stage, stages decimated with Trevor at the helm. I hope, he, I hope he knew how much he was loved the world over. Rest in peace, Trevor. So there you go. Tons and tons of tributes out there. Tons of them. And rightfully so. The guy was a fucking... He's an icon. Um, in other news, Children of Bodom's remaining members explain why the band's... Why the band ended up coming to a screeching halt. Why the final album failed. And the farewell tour. It's a, it's a good article um, that was posted. but And they ultimately say that their reason for the breakup had to do with his addiction. Uh, and they said addiction is an illness and he destroyed our trust in him with his actions and our business venture. But he apologized for a lot of things and we did work together even after the band broke up. They also go on to explain that the firing of Rup Latvala is really when the separation kind of started to happen. Even though, even though the trio, the three, the band's three former members, did agree that it was warranted. They said Alexi became frustrated because Roop didn't perform his job duties, meaning rehearsals. So we went by the letter of the law, verbal warnings, formal warnings, and finally termination. And then I guess in 2017, Leho began to threaten that he would quit the band for financial reasons. He had said in a correspondence with the band, I thought about pulling myself out of the company. And there was a lot of going back, and Wehrman said that the company did default on payments, but all the backlog was paid up when the income from the tour came in. Leo would ultimately quit Children of Bonham, as if you can remember, back in 2018 and then changed his mind after he had talked to his band and, and the management. Um, and he wrote this in July of 2018. I don't want to leave things unfinished or especially just bail between tours. I'm not really expecting to get anywhere near as much money as we did 10 years ago. And I know I can be an intolerable, impulsive fuckface sometimes and I easily explode when everything goes to shit. Especially when I'm just mentally exhausted. I got to work at that. That said, there's some truth behind what I said about how I feel. But nothing justifies me blaming anyone for the situation. For that, I am truly sorry. And also hoping we can do these shows without bad vibes. And uh, really, their, their issue with his substance abuse really came when they found out that he was diagnosed with diabetes and that he was deemed dangerously underweight. Uh, but he refused to go to rehab. They would uh, they agreed to do an album after Hexed, but Leho would never show up. Apparently they, they said they would get fuck off messages from from him and the band. And then he tried registering the band's name, the name of the band in his own name, which then in turn caused the band to file a formal legal notice of loss of confidence. And they demanded that he sign the band's name over since it belonged to the company holding all the band's rights. Um, and they also go on to say, when we were about to launch our new shop, we asked Alexi to come on board with a one-fourth share in a number of products like before. And he was closely involved right up to the end of his life, which is pretty cool. They, they, you know, they still were like, hey, listen, 
you know, you were just as much a part of Children of Bonham as any of us. You know, at least be involved in this. Um, but there is an in-depth interview. You can listen to You can read all of it or listen to it. Um, it's with uh, Helsingin Sanomat. So if you want to keep, if you want to check that out. Another uh, news, Black Label Society was forced to postpone two more shows, apparently due to Zach Wilde's vocal issues. So, yeah, um, due to continuing throat and vocal issues, Zach Wilde will take a few extra days off before he's able to perform healthy and without risk. This is a statement from Black Label Society. So as a result, both Fayetteville, Arkansas and Tyler, Texas will be rescheduled to September 2nd and September 3rd, respectively. Um, Fayetteville will be September 2nd, Tyler, Texas, September 3rd. And the band is currently on tour, and they'll do, uh, they're will do doing the Tattoo of the Earth with Anthrax. And they're also going on tour with Anthrax and Hatebreed, which is going to be badass. And I got, date, I got tickets myself to... Um, the Tattoo of the Earth show, which is going to be pretty fucking awesome, if you ask me. All right, we're going to take a small little break. We're going to listen. We're going to get on with the unsigned band of the week, and when we get back. We will finish up with rock and metal news. The band that we have for you guys this week is one that I love. We played them back in episode 71. We love their name, Redneckatron. We're still trying to figure it out. And we're going to figure it out because I'm going to have them on the show. And they're going to explain what a Redneckatron is exactly. But nonetheless, the band has a new track out. And it's one that really pulls from what is going on in society right now. And that's the whole pro-life debate. So without further ado, let's listen to what Redneckatron has to say. And here it is. This is Pro-Life right here on Pedal to the Metal Radio, the podcast. Let's go. 
All right, welcome back, everybody, for more rock and metal news. And we got plenty of that. One thing that I'm pretty sad about, I don't know about you guys, whether you've ever really owned one or not, but Apple has finally discontinued the iPod after nearly 21 years. Now, for me, I didn't realize they were still making it. Um, But, yeah, you know, it started October 23rd, 2001, and now Apple has just announced that they're discontinuing the final iteration of the iconic music player, the seventh-generation iPod Touch. Now, I had a classic iPod, and let me tell you, I had fucking, I had a, what was it, a 300... 180, I don't know, it was like 300 gigs or something. That was the biggest one I ever owned or something like that. And fucking, let me tell you, man, I had some fucking music on that thing. And then my friend ruined it on me. So now it doesn't work. Uh, But, you know, it's it's amazing. Here's what uh, Waziak had to say. Today, the spirit of the iPod lives on. We integrate an incredible music experience across all of our products, from the iPhone to the Apple Watch to the HomePod Mini and across Mac, iPad, and Apple TV. And Apple Music delivers industry-leading sound quality with support of spatial audio. There's no better way to enjoy, discover, and experience music. I beg to differ. Anyways, nonetheless, it's the end of an era for the Apple iPod. So if you had one and you still have one, cherish the fuck out of it. All right, Spinal Tap 2 apparently is coming, and it's going to reunite the original director and cast, which I, I, you know, I'm surprised. So I guess we're going back to Stonehenge because Rob Reiner, Michael McKean, Christopher Guest, and Harry Shearer have announced that they're going to reunite for the long-awaited sequel to This is Spinal Tap. Spinal Tap 2 will be directed by Rainer, who, you know, obviously. So the plan is to do a sequel that comes out on the 40th anniversary of the original film. And I can tell you, hardly a day goes by without someone saying, why don't you do another one? For so many years, we said, nah, it wasn't. We said, nah, it wasn't until we came up with the right idea how to do this. You don't want to just do it to do it. You want to honor the first one and push it a little further with the story. So apparently the screenplay is still under under development. Uh, but nonetheless, it's going to be happening. And I'm pretty excited. Um, This is another thing that was said. They've played Albert Hall, played Wembley Stadium all over the country and in Europe. They've spent any time together recently. They haven't spent any time together recently. Ian Faith, who was their manager, has passed away. Ian's widow inherited a contract that said Spinal Tap owed them one more concert. She was basically going to sue them if they didn't. All these years and a lot of bad blood will get into and they're thrown back together and forced to deal with each other and play this concert. So maybe that's what it's going to be all about. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, Rick Parnell, who was best known as drummer Mick Shripton, did die. Uh, But he also died in the film, you know, from uh, spontaneous combustion. So, hey, you know. But nonetheless, expect that to come out. Uh, Soil Work has a brand spanking new album. 
called Over Again Hatton, and they're streaming their latest track, which is, uh, I believe, is and it's the title track. So you can check that out, courtesy of Nuclear Blast, and you can expect that album to drop August nineteenth. And here's what vocalist Bjorn Strid said: the title track of this album. Just might be the pinnacle of this band's musical journey. It sums up everything that we've been ever been about in the sometimes risky musical venture that this band embarked on some 20 years ago. To me, this song is as close to the heart as it gets. So make sure you check it out. Uh, Lona Shore has also announced a new album called Pain Remains, and they're streaming a, uh, their new song called Sun Eater. Heck yeah, there you go. And... Um, Apparently, this album should be coming out. I I can't find um, a date, to be honest. Oh, it's October release. So the album should be coming out in October, and the band is going to be heading on tour with Suicide Silence, Carnifex, Upon a Burning Body, Signs of the Swarm, Angel Maker, and Distant. That started May 13th, and it's running all the way to six to June 4th, and then they're on with Distant from June 6th all the way to June 11th in Savannah, Georgia. Then they go on with Parkway Drive and While She Sleeps starting September 9th in Leipzig, Germany, and that runs all the way to October 3rd in Cardiff, United Kingdom. There you go. Uh, I just want to send the congratulations to Kelly Osborne. And Slipknot's Sid Wilson, who I had no fucking idea that these guys were were even a couple. Um, pretty badass, I guess. So, Ozzy's going to be a grandfather once again. And uh, Kelly announced it via her social media that her and Sid Wilson are expecting. Um, and apparently they shared their relationship with the world on Valentine's Day of this year. I don't know where the fuck I was. Uh, but after 23 years of friendship, I can't believe where we've ended up. You are my best friend, my soulmate, and I am so deeply in love with you, Sydney George Wilson. There you go. I wonder how Ozzy feels about that. It would be pretty interesting to know. I know your daughter's dating him. Uh, nonetheless, so for you guys out there, Joan Jett says that people need to chill out when it comes to hair metal's reputation, right? Because we all know she's got a bad reputation. But nonetheless, uh, here's what, you know, we all know she's on this bill with Motley Crue, Def Leppard, and Poison, who are obviously the archetypes of hair metal. And, you know, there's this sexism claim, you know. Uh, But here's what Joan Jett had to say. She goes, sexism's very prevalent all over rock and roll. Look, all I can do as a woman... As the woman I am is go out there and show an alternative view and do it my way. If I had to weed out every band you thought was problematic, I mean, there wouldn't be very many left. And, you know, it's it's pretty awesome. And here's what she, she said about if progress has been made over the years. She says, that's a good question. The bands I listened to weren't necessarily at all misogynistic. But I'm talking about guys like Fugazi. I would say it's probably not as misogynistic now just because of their openness to getting criticized about it because you get creamed online and people seem to care about that. That doesn't mean that it changes who they are. So maybe that's dangerous. It goes underground, but I think things are changing. So there you go. 
Nonetheless, there's Joan Jett and her thoughts, so chill the fuck out. Uh, Rob Flynn, I forgot to include this. If you get a chance, really look this up because it's it's very touching. It's very touching what he had to say about Trevor Sternad. I'm only going to read a, a, a little bit of it. Um this was on his No Fucking Regrets podcast, so make sure you check that out. Um, he and I just hit it off. He had this ridiculously hot girl with him, but he ended up staying with out with me all night. We got shit-faced, absolutely annihilated. He actually threw up on the bar at one point when we were doing shots and kept on drinking. This was the first time, first time I hung out with the guy, and it was like I'd known him for 10 years. I was absolutely raging with him, laughing my ass off. He was the sort of person... Who could hang out with anybody and you'd be best friends right away. We mostly talked about music and about metal. We talked about how our tours were going and how great Municipal Waste were. I ended up picking his brain. You heard any good bands that you're loving right now? I'll never forget it because he told me about this band Scarlet. And and I've never forgotten it. The opening song on their record was called Obsolete. Man, I must have listened to that song 500 times at least. I was listening to it when we were working on The Blackening. (coughs) And that one song had such an influence on that record, the way I started the record, the way I played some of the songs, and that was all down to Trevor because he turned me on to this band. He was more knowledgeable about metal than most people I know. He was constantly going down YouTube rabbit holes, just listening to demo bands. He was so into it. I don't know if we could have asked for a better ambassador for metal than him. But he was also a huge fan of Motown and R&B. We had a conversation about it. If he wasn't listening to the metal, he'd put on some Motown. So again, uh, check that out for yourself. It, it, it's great. I couldn't have said it better myself, uh, Rob Flynn. Uh, but all right, that's going to do it for rock and metal news. And now it's time to get into our last Bands You Should Know artist. And our next band is coming all the way from Harmony, Maine. That's right, fellow New Englanders like myself. I am talking about Thy Enemy, and they've got a track that you should all check out called Unattainable. These guys are badass. If you're fans of Hatebreed, Despised Icon, and Unearth, you're definitely going to fucking love them. So without further ado, let's check it out. This is Thy Enemy. This is Unattainable. And, like, and again, I want to thank you guys all for tuning in. And I will see you guys next time on Pedal to the Metal Radio, the podcast. What are you going to do with those pies, boys? 